0: Every time we're like, "You do it." No, you do it. No, you do it. Okay, you're you're getting drugs from a drug dealer. So I just basically did a random drug test.
1: The police came. Uh, Her boyfriend
2: came. You made me paranoid now, Dana, that I'm getting replaced.
3: (laughs) Hi, everybody. My name is Kelly Martin, and you are listening to the second episode of Making It Work, brought to you by FedEx. This is not another podcast about success stories. With the help of entrepreneurs who've already been through it all, we give you business insights you normally just don't hear. Each episode of Making It Work covers one topic, anything from working with friends and family to selling on online marketplaces. In this episode, we're discussing when you should fire your employees. Asking the questions is Tom Scallon.
2: Can I talk to you in my office? These are the words that we never want to hear at work. Sure, it could mean you're up for a big promotion, but if there's a box of Kleenex sitting on your boss's desk, you should probably expect the worst. And it's awful. Getting escorted out of the office by security with nothing more than a few pens and your favourite potted plant. It can be a bleak and undignified experience. Even if you are lucky enough to get that all-important golden handshake. But what about that person that fired you? How did it make them feel? I know. Boo-hoo. However, none of the business owners I spoke to took this subject lightly. To be honest, a lot of them were reluctant to speak about it at all. The ones that did? Well, their experiences were interesting, to say the least. But we'll get on to stashing booze and getting high in a little while. For now, I want you to meet David. His California-based company Shark Wheel makes wheels designed for tough terrain. I wanted to know, after decades in business, if you ever get used to giving staff their marching orders.
1: It's an awesome story, me and firing people. And first of all, let me give you just a little backstory. My father, who's a professional, he's a literally a rocket scientist, he told me one time, he said, if you ever get fired, it shouldn't be a surprise to you. And he said, if somebody quits, it shouldn't be a surprise to the boss. He said, that's the way businesses are supposed to run. It should be obvious that something is wrong, and that's why you're being terminated. So... In my personal history, I have had literally hundreds, if not thousands, of employees. I can't count how many employees I've had. I've had three very, very successful companies, and I've had a lot of people work for me. And during that time, I've always had other people or HR or whatever handle the horrible, horrifying task of firing somebody. And one day, and this was when I was about 30 years old, I'm 54 now. Uh, one of the people who generally had to do all the firing came to me and said, Dave, you really need to get a backbone. You really need to fire this person by yourself. And it was a secretary. And this secretary, or a receptionist, more to the point, somebody whose job was to answer the phones, greet people when they came in the door, something simple. But all she would do was do her nails and talk on the phone and be really rude to everybody. And it was just absolutely positively not working out and I had complained about it a thousand times. So, this person said, "You need to grow a backbone and you need to fire this person." So, for the first time ever, I said, "Okay, I will terminate this person." So, I got her final check and I called her into my office and I very nicely explained how, "Hey, you know, you're a really nice person. And I'm sure you got a lot of, you know, great opportunities out there. It's not really working here. Thanks a lot." blah blah blah. It turned into the police came, uh, her boyfriend came, uh, it was an absolute horrifying mess that went on for hours, and finally I turned to the person and I, that had told me I needed to grow a backbone, and I looked at him, his name was Phil, and I said, that went great, didn't it, Phil? <laughs> and I realized... There's certain people that should never be the one firing somebody. You know, there's certain people that can do it and certain people that can't. Um, When you are the only person in a company and you only have one or two other employees, unfortunately, it gets pushed on you. But I have just a horrifying experience with doing that. And it's got to be the worst part of any job is having to terminate somebody, especially when it's emotional. You know, when it's factual, you can pretty much get through it. But when it's an emotional termination of somebody who this is going to make or break their life or this or that, and they got children and blah, 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 and cancer or whatever, it's like, oh, my God, how do you do this? So anyways, it's, a, it's an interesting topic. I love hearing about it. Do you not feel like you owe it to
2: your employees to do it yourself? Is it not a little bit cowardly?
1: No, not at all. The reason we had HR was that's that side of the business. I'm the owner of the company. I'm not there to have that kind of interaction with you. My job is to make sure you succeed and you have a really great experience at the company. If things go bad, man, there's a procedure for this, and I ain't the guy that does that procedure. Matter of fact, specifically, I will never do that procedure again in a large enough company if I can ever avoid it based on the experiences I've had. It's just when you're the boss, they know you're the final decision. They know they can work you the hardest. When it's HR, that guy don't have a choice. But when it's me, oh, they go for the jugular as happened. It was just horrifying. So what about when your company was a lot smaller? Uh, Did you just sort of (laughs) avoid doing it? No, you ended up having to do it, but it was just terrible. It was absolutely terrible. You always felt bad because the other person, if you're firing them, generally they don't want to be fired. They're there and it, they're lazy or something like that, so they're getting a free check, and so they don't want to go. And it's it's never easy. I've I've never had to uh, luckily ever do it to somebody that was a friend. But, you know, it's got to be the toughest part of being a business owner is having to let somebody go. So what happened with the receptionist in the end and the police? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, ultimately she went away and that was it. It was just one of those things where you know, they just knew they could push me. I'm a softie. I've always been a softie. You want it for free? Come to Dave. I'm the guy. So they leave me out of negotiations completely. I'm, I'm banned from negotiating anything, any contract, any this, any that. It's not that I don't care about money. It's just that I know it always comes. You know, when you do a great job and you have a great product, the money always comes. So if you just get good enough on every deal or things like that and I don't really scrape for the last penny on a lot of these things Um, that's just how I am so for me it's uh, I'm better off not being in that role. God you sound like a liability David (laughs) (laughs) I am in that sense and that's why you keep me out of that role that's why I have wonderful lawyers and wonderful partners like Zach who they take care of that side of business I mean they take care of it look Nobody's everybody. I know David can seem a little bit chirpy on this
2: subject, but that's just his personality. Whether you think he should be firing his own employees or not, his justification for getting someone else to do it is pretty sound. This is HR's job. They're good at this stuff. David is not. I guess he just wants to protect everyone's feelings. But owners of smaller businesses don't have the luxury of giving someone else this dirty work. Owners like Dana... She's founder of Philly-based company Anna Ono. They make lingerie for women who've undergone breast surgery. So she's pretty used to having difficult conversations. Even so, she's clear that letting someone go is one of the most heart-wrenching things for a boss, especially if it's not even the employee's fault.
4: When you start a business, um, the landscape to your business can change quite dramatically and quite quickly. And what you think may be the right position or maybe even the right person can turn out to not be correct. Uh, It could also be correct for a very short amount of time because as your business continues to scale and grow, that person that was really good in the beginning part might not be so good when it jumps to the next level or jumps to the next level beyond that. So to be flexible and to understand that as a business owner, that it's not personal, it's very much about building your business and structuring your business so you can improve and grow and continue to run it is always something that you have to judge, especially when it comes to your employee base.
2: Do you think when you were just starting out, you could have maybe done a a better job of finding out whether people would have been good at the job when when their job role changed a little bit?
4: I think when you're starting out, it's really hard to tell um, because you don't really know what you need. You think you know what you need and you want to fill the holes of what you believe that you need, but you could learn in 30, 60, or 90 days that maybe you made the wrong choice because you're, you're jumping into a venture. You may or may not have already had one or started one before in your past, but... As those needs change and as the requirements of what needs to be done on a day-to-day basis change, that also changes your people. It also changes your staff. And I think in the beginning, that was really hard for me to digest because you really love your employees, you care about them, and you want to have everybody grow with you. But at the same time, if they're no longer capable of taking out the tasks at hand, you have to move on and you have to find the right fit or you could really damage your business.
2: How difficult is it to have that conversation?
4: I think letting somebody go is always going to be difficult. Um, It's never an easy thing. It's never easy for them. It's not easy for the business owner. I've had to release people where I've lost nights of sleep just thinking about how I'm going to approach it, what I'm going to say, how do I let them go easy, or maybe they're just not the right fit. And it's it's challenging because you are people and you guys are, and we're all human. So we have emotions and we have feelings and to be the boss and to have to make those really hard decisions is taxing and it's emotional. And you have to Process that on your own so you can come in knowing that you're making the right decision, but also knowing that you're changing somebody else's life in the the process.
2: I was really struck by the difference in the way Dana and David spoke about firing their staff. David's been in the game for years. It always feels like there's nothing that can rattle the guy. You can tell that Dana's experiences are more raw, and I get it. It must make you feel guilty when you have to get rid of good people. I was wondering if it was any easier if the employee was the one to blame.
4: When somebody really screws up and somebody's not doing a good job, that's easier, right? You can say on paper, you've done X, Y, and Z, and these are detrimental to my business, and you have to go. But when that's not what's happening, when they're just no longer the right fit or where the role doesn't suit them, it's a much harder decision because, you're the owner, you believe in them, you believed in them enough to hire them, and now you find out that they just can't execute the job at hand. And that's a totally different perspective and uh, view on how you have to look at your employees because as the owner, you have the passion, you have the energy, you're, you have the excitement about what you're doing. You don't probably have somebody who's full time running your operations, who is running your HR, who is, you know, bringing somebody into the office and documenting all of these different ins and outs and and setting up the case to release somebody. So it all lies on your shoulders, especially when you're a startup and you have to play all of those roles. You have to be HR and you have to be operations and you have to be the founder and you have to be the boss. And a lot of times those roles intertwine into one another and it becomes quite complicated.
2: How much does it hurt laying someone
4: off? Yeah, I think that the first one is always the toughest. Uh, The first one is, is hurtful because for me personally, I reflect everything else on myself. So did I not do a good enough job? Did I not set up this person for success? Did I not give them the management that they needed? Did I not give them the attention and the training that they deserved in order to be successful? But at the same time, you have to focus on the job because you're running a business and you don't have the huge staff. You know, you're, you're likely not starting a business with 50 employees. You're starting a business with a handful. And it can hurt for two reasons. One, because it's very emotional and stressful. But for another, that if you don't have a replacement, but you have to release this person because they aren't getting the job done, now you're a man down. And when you're a man down and you've got a handful of employees, all of that pressure comes back onto your plate. You know, it's not going on to your other employees because chances are they're already maxed out. And the pressure really lies on the owner's shoulders because you have to get the work done. Whatever that person was doing, you still have to get that work done. And if you don't have the replacement and you don't have the next person that's stepping into that role up and ready to go, it, it hurts your business in a short term because somebody's got to do the tasks at hand and likely that's you
2: but I mean on the other hand if you, if you have someone ready to replace that person can it seem almost calculating in a way
4: it does feel like if you're if you are looking down the pipeline and it's not a quick fire and it's not a quick release um, and it's something that you've been planning for you can plan for the replacements and that also puts the stress on you because chances are you have to have private phone calls, you have to have secret meetings, you have to be at coffee or lunch or dinner with these candidates because you might not be able to be bringing them into the office because the person that you're letting go might not know that they're on the chopping block. And that disrupts your day, it disrupts your energy. And then when that person does start, even if it's the next day, there's still a training period because chances are you don't have an overlap. You don't have the old person that you're letting go replacing with the new person and having training time in that process. So now you've got to bring... Somebody new on deck, you've got to onboard them. You've got to teach them their job. You've got to give them the background information. And you're not just down for a day. You could be down for weeks um, just getting that person up to speed.
2: you made me paranoid now, Dana, that I'm getting replaced. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you're listening to Making It Work, coming up. Oh my
5: goodness, you're just such a baby. Let me help you. They were not willing to step up and take responsibility.
0: I mean, you're not working. You're not working, and I have to pay you. I don't think it's ever easy to
2: fire someone, but I'd rather do it because of gross misconduct than company cutbacks, that's for sure. If someone's done something wrong that puts your business and your employees' livelihoods at risk, they have to go, simple as. Well, maybe simple is not the right word. Let's listen to what Heidi has to say. She's founder and owner of Heidi J. Hale Designs a company in Indiana that makes customized jewelry for weddings, christenings, all sorts of occasions. She agrees that the reasons for firing somebody can be pretty cut and dry, but that doesn't mean they'll go quietly.
5: We had one girl, you know, we had no idea. She was not checking, she was not clocking out for lunch. She was leaving for lunch, but she was going through the act of clocking out. And we had no clue, and she was doing this for, um... Probably at least four weeks until another employee saw her do it, went over and checked the um, app that we use and um, brought it to our attention. So, what's interesting is we have cameras in our studio, um, you know, basically for security to protect, you know, our employees. But little did we know that that security system would actually come in handy checking, you know, these type of things. So we looked on the security footage and sure enough, she was faking checking out or clocking out. And even after we showed her the footage, she still denied it. (laughs) But that was my first experience with firing someone.
2: Heidi, is there a fine line between a, a minor discretion and a sackable offense?
5: You know what? There really is. How would you
2: differentiate the two?
5: So differentiating um number one you've got to look at the incident if it's affecting your other employees that's the first um affecting your other employees number two it's your bottom line um you know some of these mistakes or situations can be very costly um I had one gal who was um you know, a return label, if cu- a customer has an issue and it's our issue, um, like, you know, our mistake, we'll send a return label to them so they do not have to pay for shipping back to us. I had an employee who was paying for return labels regardless of the situation. You know, if a customer's like, I would like to have this added or I want this changed and it was something they wanted done, had no fault of us we would do it, but she was sending out labels and she was sending them priority overnight. And that's anywhere from $30 to $45 a label. We did not know it was happening until our FedEx rep came to us and said, why all of a sudden do you have these labels that you're printing out? You don't even need expedited overnight. You you could even do overnight and it would save you money. We looked and she was just sending labels to everybody. She didn't care.
2: And what was her motivation for doing it?
5: Laziness. And a lot of them think, well, and here's the other thing. She was not doing her job following up with customers. So then to make up for it to them, she was sending them an overnight label. Okay. So it was actually covering up another mistake that she had made.
2: When you realize that someone's done something wrong... Um, how easy is it to fire someone? Is it ever easy? I mean, have you ever put it no, off? No,
5: it's actually not. I had a hard lesson. I, this, is the, okay, this is what um, anyone who owns a business needs to know. And you also need to know by state what the laws are. Very important, because at the time I didn't know. And here's the other thing, you know, me putting trust into my employees. I was like, you know, I'll just go talk to them. Listen, you know, this is an issue. We need you to correct it. And they're like, oh, okay. What I did not realize is I have to have them sign a paper every time, depending on the issue, whether I feel like the issue will be something that in the end, if they do not fix it, would I potentially fire them? That's what you have to be aware of. Is this a situation that, listen, it's annoying, but I need to be on them to fix it? Or is it something that if they don't correct themselves, I am possibly going to fire them in the end? If it's one of those situations, I have to document it. I have to write the situation, you know, what happened, what I've said to them, how they have to correct it, how many days they have to correct it, um, then I have to sign it and they have to sign it. And what's hard is with employees, um, they could, when you have them actually document something and they have to sign it, they are very offended by that because they know, okay, this is a po- if I don't straighten up, they've got documentation and they will be able to fire me. And unfortunately, it comes to that. I've never wanted to handle anything that way. But the laws have forced me to, um, which is a good thing. It covers, it protects me. um, Because the thing is, the lady who cost me all that money in overnight shipping, I did fire her. And I said, do you understand why you're being fired? And she said, yes. I said, do you feel like I had the right to fire? Yes. Would you fire You know, me, if I was doing that in your company, she said yes. But she went, um, I fired her. Um, I did not document it um, because at the time I didn't know. And she actually filed for unemployment and she she was awarded the unemployment. I had to pay her unemployment for at least six months, which is in the state of Indiana, it's about a third of their paycheck that they get until they find a job because I didn't follow the proper documentation and didn't know the laws beforehand, it came back on me.
2: So even though it protects you and it protects them, on the other hand, of course, it forces you to make a big deal of misdemeanors or or minor discretions.
5: Absolutely. And you know, it is good. It forces me to do what I need to do because I want to be You know, the nice guy, come on, you know, can you, you're doing this, let's not do that anymore, can you help me out, you know, and I, you know, show them what they should be doing correctly or this or that. And unfortunately, that's not enough. (laughs) That's the way I work, but it's not enough. And people will take advantage of you and they have. Because, you know, we're a team of artists and my employees, I consider a lot of them my family, but at the end of the day, it really is, I'm the boss, they're the employees.
2: <laughs> and what's the best way to fire someone, Heidi?
5: You know, um, it's interesting. I have to think about that because I tell you what, that is the one thing I hate doing, being a business owner. Oh, I dread it. You know, my husband and I, you know, work together and it's like, I swear every time we're like, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it. (laughs) Because nobody likes the, you know, the negative um, part of the jobs. But if you have been honest with them throughout the time, you've documented properly, they've been given warnings. You can start out with verbal warnings. Then you have to go to written warnings. You have to give them time to be able to correct themselves. And if they haven't, Nine times out of 10, they knew it was coming. They knew that there were issues. And the bottom line is they were not willing to step up and take responsibility. So, you know, we have, I always take them in a private closed room. And I talk to them just as if it were a normal day. I say, you know, you know, you know, the situations we have, and I've asked you to do this. And I think sometimes when, you know, you do have a relationship with employees and, you know, we're an open concept studio. So we're all together. And when you spend that much time every day, you know, it is hard, but you just got to, it's the t- probably one of the hardest things you'll go through, but you just got to bite the bullet and do it. Talking to
2: Heidi, I realised that simply having a good reason is not enough to give someone the boot, even if they're effectively stealing from you. You need to do everything by the book. To cover yourself, yeah, but also to give employees the chance to redeem themselves. Akilah agrees. She's the owner of Edge Entity, a company in Memphis that makes products to stimulate hair growth. She initially put off firing people, but soon came to the conclusion having bad employees just wasn't worth a hassle. So now, like Heidi, Aquila's all about dotting the I's and crossing the T's, with a verbal warning and three write-ups. Unless they're taking drugs in the bathroom.
0: At first, I didn't fire people. I just kind of like put up with their BS because of, you know, being afraid of unemployment. And that's exactly what happened. I had gotten um, to the point where, like, people were doing things and I would, like, have to fire them. And I still, you know, was forced to pay unemployment. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that.
2: Yeah, in the U.S., you, you have to pay that.
0: We have to pay that. So they're basically getting paid without working, even if they're at fault. So... Um, The first time I fired someone was because of a drug issue. And I knew that she was using drugs on the job. People were telling me that she had her drug dealer (laughs) come into the job site, giving her drugs, and she would be like literally high on the job. So I just did. You know, I didn't want to single her out. I didn't see her actually Getting these drugs, so I couldn't say, "Okay, you're you're getting drugs from a drug dealer." So I just basically did a random drug test. And when you work for my company, before you, um, I mean, you sign a contract on you know orientation. So when you come in and you sign everything else, um, your W fours and all of your agreements and your employee handbook, you also sign a contract saying that you're willing to take a random drug test. So. Um, I made sure that I told everyone I didn't give them enough time ahead to try to get things out of their system. I had them all take a drug test. And, of course, she was the one that, you know, had, like, some stuff. But, um, yeah, so found it in her um, system and uh, ended up having to let her go. I was still faced with (laughs) unemployment. That was crazy.
2: And Were you not scared of... Alienating the others who you were pretty sure weren't taking drugs. Was no. everyone pretty honest?
0: Understand- oh, oh yeah, I, I was because I did have good employees. But I mean, if any of those employees, I'm sorry, you know, came to the 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 job site and were under the influence, I wouldn't have w- probably wanted them working anyway. Methamphetamine and ecstasy and things that you should not be taking while you're working.
2: And how does the conversation go when you've decided you want to to let someone go? How do you you go about it?
0: I mean, at first I was actually a little bit nervous. You know, like I wrote it down, um, her her termination papers, and I called her in the office. And that was the longest conversation I've ever had with someone letting them go. I think it was because it was the first time. But I started telling her about, you know, um, her work performance first. That I had noticed you know a decrease in her work performance, and so like it may be related to the drugs, and she shouldn't be you know working for any company under the influence, so you know it was a long conversation because she did not want to go, she cried. You know, then she threatened me. It was so much. This that was the worst time I've ever had to fire a person. But I've I've had other situations where I've had to fire a person and they pretty much kinda like walked out of the door. They knew they were in the wrong. You know, I had written them up a couple of times. I I went about it a little bit differently. There were write ups, there were oral warnings, there was a process. So All of this was a learning process. I learned that you can't just, in that case, you can't just fire someone. But in other cases, you have to give them, if they are doing wrong on the job, you have to give them the opportunity to rectify whatever it is that they are having an issue with. So to give them an oral warning and sit down and talk to them and give them three write-ups and then termination. For one, that's good for me because now I have a record of all of the things you've done. So when it comes down to unemployment, I have something that I can submit to them saying, hey, this person has done all of these things and um, they've signed off saying that they agree that they've done these things wrong. Um, Yeah, if they do these things wrong, then they they are liable to be terminated. So, yeah, um, I've, I've gone about it a different way now.
2: I know Akilah's example is an extreme one. But it does highlight the fact that even with these clear-cut cases, employers have to keep a cool head and stick to the rules. But however organised you are, however much evidence you have, it can still cost you. When we were doing these interviews, it was difficult for me to get my head around the idea of paying the wages of employees you sacked for gross misconduct. It bothers our entrepreneurs as well. Let's finish up with a little more from Akila, who I think speaks for all of them.
0: I hate because you're literally working. I mean, you're not working. You're not working and I have to pay you. You don't get paid as much as you would have if you were working, but I think it's maybe five months that I have to pay you. I have to pay the person, like maybe kind of like a percentage of what they were getting paid before. But it's just the fact that I have to pay you and you're wrong. You're wrong, but... The way unemployment works here, they're automatically on the employee side, not the employer.
2: Do you always have to pay? What about the case of the person taking drugs on shift?
0: They still got paid. They still got paid. You don't always have to pay, but in that instance, they still got paid. And it's just up to whoever it is who makes the decision to decide, you know, whether they get paid or not. And they decided that that person should still get paid. I don't know. But that makes me a little bit discouraged. But now I'm at the point where if you're a bad employee, I risk the unemployment. You just got to go. I mean, I'd rather have, I'd rather pay the unemployment and don't, you know, and not live in fear that I'm going to have to pay someone, you know, while they're not working here. I'm not going to keep you here and you mess up and you keep doing whatever you want to do just so I can avoid unemployment. I mean, it's inevitable at this point, you know, it just happens. So,
2: yeah. What's the best way to fire someone?
0: I mean, alone in the room, you know, not in front of everyone else, no matter what the person has done, I'm going to pull them to the side and talk to them calmly, Um, you know, I I wouldn't fire anyone in front of everyone, but um, firing someone with the proof in front of, you know, in front of you, that's one thing that I've always done. You know, I would bring out all of the written warnings and everything we talked about, any proof that I have, text messages between us. Like I've done all of that, printed those text messages out so you can see like when you've come um, late, um, the orders that you've messed up. Because I've had people Get, I've had a person get fired because they were continuously just messing up orders, didn't care. And I'm like, OK, this is, you know, this is what you've done. You know, having all of the evidence in front of you so that you can have a kind of a leg to stand on when if they if they kind of refuse to, um, to accept the fact that, you know, they're being fired. It's like, well, these are all of the things that you've done. So, yeah, I make sure that I have everything together before I fire someone every time.
2: And for you, is the oral warning and the written warning a formality? Is it is it so that you can end up firing that person? Or do you find that some people have to get in those initial warnings? They actually change.
0: They actually change. It's not so that I can fire you. I don't want to fire you. I don't want to hire new people if I don't have to. The warning is so that you can kind of straighten up, you know, because I want you to do better. I want to give you the opportunity to to be a better, you know, team player. So, and and in recent times, that has worked. That has worked, you know, because if you tell somebody, a lot of times people have things going on at home or people have issues that you don't know about or they may just start slacking up because they've gotten used to having a job. I've seen that so much. Even as a nurse, people are used, comfortable with their jobs and then... They begin to slack, but if you're there to remind them, like, look, I see the way you're performing and it's not as good as it was when you first came, you need to change these things, start coming on time, I've noticed that they will because they want to keep their job. And, and if they don't, then, you know, if I've gotten to the point of a third written warning, you probably just don't care. But most times I don't have to do um, anything past oral warning, At this point, at this point, I've got really good employees right now.
2: Good. I hope they're listening.
0: Oh, I hope so.
3: I hope so. (laughs) Coming up next time.
1: Look, don't mess it up. You're my kid. I expect perfection out of you.
0: I care about my business more than I care about you not having a job, and I'm sorry. But, um, no friend policy.
5: What? I know. Thank
3: you, TGS. (laughs) That's it for this episode of Making It Work. We would love to know what you think, so remember to rate this podcast. And if you don't want to miss the next one, be sure to subscribe. Thanks to our entrepreneurs, Akila Augusta, Dana Donafrey, Heidi Hale, and David Patrick for their advice. Making It Work is produced by Yolene Margrie, written by Tom Scallon, with creative direction from Jeroen von Koningshoven. Also thanks to Wayne Parker Kent, music by Fresh Big Mouth, who created the song with actual sounds from the FedEx Super Hub in Memphis, Tennessee. The show is delivered to you by FedEx and presented by Tom Scallon and me, Kelly Martin.